Hello everyone and welcome to Press Coverage, the Daily Tar Heels official sports podcast. I'm Keaton Eberle and I'm joined alongside fellow DTH staffer Brian Keyes and we're your hosts. Today, we're proud to announce that for our final episode before heading home for the holidays, for our final guests, we got ourselves a great one. As we introduce 21-time NCAA national champion, as well as former head coach of the U.S. national team, current UNC women's soccer coach, Anson Dorrance. Anson, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. All right, so let's just start off with recapping sort of the last game. The season, national championship, everything. I mean, like it was, I was covering it. It was an extremely close match. Uh, Dallas Dorsey kicks a ball, deflects off a defender. Samantha Leshnik jumps one way, ball goes the other. It's the only goal scored. But that ended up being sort of the defining moment of that game um, in the end of your season. Can you just talk a little bit about, you know, sort of in halftime, knowing you were down one, what were you thinking about? Well, honestly, uh, I was uh, pleased going into halftime. Uh, Florida State's got a lot of weapons. Uh, um, obviously, uh, since we had beaten uh, Florida State down in Tallahassee, they had improved a lot by the time we hit them in the ACC tournament final. Uh, I thought they outplayed us in that ACC final. Uh, of course, we were still recovering from the loss of Alessia Russo, uh, the ACC's offensive uh, MVP, and that's a huge uh, loss. But we had other kids like uh, Alex Kimball and Rachel Dorwart that were coming on trying to replace uh, Alessia in the nine. Uh, and uh, I thought uh, between the ACC final, where I thought Florida State uh, dominated us uh, to that championship final where I thought the game was relatively even uh, going into halftime I was actually pleased with where we were. Uh, Soccer is a terrifying game. Uh, it doesn't always deliver uh, the dominant team to a victory. Uh, uh, sometimes uh, the result hinges on uh, what happened in the game itself where we actually were in great shape. Uh, their, uh, one of their players had the ball on the right flank we were in a good uh, position against that player because we had uh, uh, two players up there against her uh, we had players marked in the box. Uh, everything was uh, going as well as you could have it go uh, when you're defending against uh, an elite team. And then all of a sudden, uh, the player gets the uh, the cross off. We uh, certainly had her tracked well because uh, one of my center backs was right with her. And then the goalkeeper uh, didn't see that uh, Dorsey was coming off the opposite flank, uh, felt the ball was going to go through to the other side, dove in that direction, to basically not save a shot because it was going wide, but to basically corral a, a cross. And then uh, Dorsey uh, makes a great run across, uh, uh, redirects it in, and uh, from uh, what we could uh, find out from the press conference, she didn't even know she scored. She just did her best to you know cross the tee to get across our defense, uh, get across our goalkeeper, and all of a sudden uh, we're down one. So I wasn't uh, upset at halftime. I actually was quite pleased. I thought we were doing uh, very well against them. In fact, I mentioned this at the, the press conference following the game. If you had clipped the goal and watched every other minute of the game, first of all, you'd have thought, well, this is a pretty close game. It was probably a tie. But if you had to pick a team that was the winner, you wouldn't have picked Florida State. You would have picked us. Uh, we sat on them a bit. Uh, we rode them a bit. Uh, we got the ball forward a bit more than they did. Uh, we probably had more uh, uh, scoring chances than they did. So I was very happy with uh, everything about that game except the result. Yeah, that's the thing about soccer. Coming from someone that's played the majority of his life, uh, 
Yeah, it's a weird game. You feel like everything's going your way, and then suddenly all it takes is one sequence, one touch, and then boom, you're losing. But anyways, uh, yeah, I remember I also covered the Florida State game and the ACC title game, and that was a that was another game that was just something. Wow, <laughs> it was it was amazing soccer game to watch, especially in that second half. After Florida State's goalkeeper went down, that pretty much turned the tides and was kind of a second coming for your team. Uh, can you just talk about Florida State's program and how they've been quite the competition in ACC play for you guys? Yeah, they're a great team. And um, obviously, uh, all of us have to recruit within the boundaries of what our school attracts. And the nice thing about uh, uh, the demographic for uh, American uh, women's collegiate soccer is usually the schools with... Uh, a superior academic status uh, have the best chance uh, in recruiting the elite players. Uh, the uh, the soccer game across the country typically is an upper middle class sport, so the sort of families uh, uh, that are sending their kids to school are basically looking for, uh, you know, a U.S. News and World Report, you know, top ten ranking in the country, <clears throat> and so the schools with a higher you know, academic ranking are usually the ones that attract the best talent. And so obviously we suffer in recruiting against the likes of like a, a Stanford uh, who's up there and any other school, even the the top public schools that, uh, you know, finish ahead of us in the rankings like the Michigans and the UCLA's, even the Virginia's. Uh, so we struggle to recruit against that group. We do not struggle to recruit against Florida State. So their coach is a very smart man. I have a lot of respect for him. So. If we go head-to-head -head with uh, uh, Mark Krikorian in Florida State uh, against the uh, top U.S. players, 75% of the time we're going to get them. So what does he have to do to compete, uh, not just with us, but with the entire country? Well, he's got to go overseas. <clears throat> Going overseas for him from Florida State is actually a very wise choice. They have all kinds of uh, incentives at Florida State for them to attract uh, foreign students uh, for them to have a, <clears throat> the demographic in their campus to basically uh, uh, create a climate for the foreign athlete to play there. And so uh, he's made a very wise, wise choice to go overseas to get his top talent. So as a result, the spine of his team and the best players of his team year in, year out are foreign kids. And uh, these foreign kids are not ordinary players. These are kids that play for their respective full national teams. They come in with a tremendous amount of sophistication. And I actually like having a competitor like Florida State in our conference because bringing these extraordinary uh, foreign players in helps my players develop as well because playing against them is a real challenge. Uh, and uh, your players only develop the extent of who you schedule to play against them. So we certainly try to play a very aggressive non-conference schedule. No better example than us you know, traveling across the country to play against the reigning national champions after having only lost one player to graduation. I mean, that's, a, that's because we want to play against the best teams to develop our kids, but obviously early in the season to see where we need to work. So that was a, a choice we made. But I love having Florida State in there as well because every single time we play against them, <clears throat> we're going to be playing against uh, elite players. And so they've figured out their niche in the recruiting world, and their niche isn't to say, well, let's uh, go head-to-head -head with uh, you know, North Carolina every single time to pick a recruit off in the United States. No, they don't do that because obviously we don't even have first choice across the country. Uh, that falls at the feet of Stanford and then you can line up other schools, certainly like UCLA and other elite uh, colleges that are basically uh, attracting students because of their academic status. But Florida State has found their niche. It's a fantastic niche. As a result, uh, they're going to be competitive 
uh, because of their foreign talent every year, and they do pick up the occasional elite American player. But uh, we have the advantage in that recruiting pool over them, and because of his experience in recruiting the foreign player, he's got the advantage in that area, and it makes for a very uh, difficult program to compete with on the field. And so, I mean, you, you've you've talked about wanting to develop players, and we'll touch on sort of the future of the team in a second, but for right now, um, you have eight seniors who are graduating sort of Amongst them, Dorian Bailey, Julia Ashley, Alex Kimball, and Samantha Leshnick, who are all starting. Can you just sort of talk about what those players brought to the team and what the team's going to be missing once they're gone? The graduation of our seniors isn't just the loss of uh, three or four starters. It's the loss of a, a leadership culture. And so the way we're going to miss uh, these fantastic uh, graduating seniors is certainly losing uh a running machine like Julia Ashley at right back is going to be a huge loss. I mean, it's extraordinary that a program like ours, uh, where we certainly uh, bring in some uh, wonderful talent, it's extraordinary that the leading scorer this season is a right back. Well, that's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and it's not only a tribute to uh, Julia, it's an indictment on uh, the rest of the attacking players that uh, are in a much better position to create and score goals, to have this energetic, hard-working, uh, competitive outside defender become you know, the leading scorer. And so I think the challenge for our returning team is to see if we can up the standard in our attacking personalities. Um, but honestly, uh, losing the senior class uh, and certainly the size of it, the main part of the loss isn't just the uh, starters, Julia, Sam, and uh, uh, Dorian, because we will get back... Uh, Alessia Russo in the nine, uh, but it's losing their extraordinary leadership culture and uh, positive chemistry in their spirit. <clears throat> and that's what I'm going to miss most. Uh, uh, we're bringing in some fine players in the recruiting class coming in. We're always waiting to see if an elite player will emerge from uh, our uh, platform of talented kids. So yes, we're going to certainly replace them uh, with other uh, quality players in those positions. But the thing that I think might be uh, absolutely irreplaceable is the fantastic uh, leadership platform and chemistry that these seniors provided us. Uh, they were an extraordinary group in the most positive way. And for that reason, not uh, sending them out with a championship is what uh, pains me the most. Mm -hmm. And having spoken to some of them, um, several of them who have been around, mentioned that what they thought influenced their leadership was uh, the 2016 year when they felt that the team also had really good leadership. Julia, in particular, mentioned that that team sort of didn't have a star player, you know, a star goal scorer in the vein of Alessia. Do you see similarities between those two classes? Not to the same extent. Um, yes, that also had a fantastic leadership culture. But the thing about this year's leadership culture was the size of it. Uh, we had leaders up and down the uh, spectrum of the team, certainly from the starting lineup with uh, the three that started uh, between uh, Julia, uh, Dorian, and Sam. But we also had kids coming off the bench that were coming off the bench without complaint, kids that uh, didn't play as much as you know they may have played back in the 2016 team, that were suffering from uh, uh, injuries, uh, certainly phenomenal players. Jessie Scarpa, if she had been healthy this year, Oh my gosh, what a weapon, attacking weapon she would have been uh, for us. If we had uh, Maggie Bill healthy, we would have had all kinds of options because she was our starting back in 
a center back in 2016 when we made that great run to the final four with a team that really didn't have the talent to get there except they had an indomitable will with players like uh, Maggie Bill. We had all these wonderful human beings that really supported the team and its mission. Uh, and Annie Kingman, another kid that was a part of that great run to the 2016 uh, Final Four was another kid that uh, started and played maximum minutes along with Maggie Bill in that 2016 run. And uh, because of the talent of kids like Pinto and uh, uh, Taterato, who are now in midfield along with Dorian Bailey, eclipsed Annie getting maximum minutes. But she wasn't, you know, an albatross or, you know, whining about the fact she wasn't playing as, as much as she wanted to. She was supporting the team and its mission. So what was really cool about this leadership group uh, that was a, a bit different from the 2016 one was the number of uh, quality players that were sacrificing their own uh, playing time in order to support the team and its mission. So I think uh, uh, this group had, a, a, I guess, a larger number uh, and a greater uh, depth of, of leadership that was certainly extraordinary. Uh, and that's the way I would uh, compare the two leadership forces in those two separate years. And to uh, go back to what you were talking about with Florida State and how they've been uh, recruiting international players very well, you've been doing fair in that department as well, especially with players like Alessia Russo coming uh, across the pond to play for uh, Anson Dorrance and North Carolina Tar Heels. Can you just talk about after her getting injured in that final game against Wake Forest out for the year, but with her coming back next year and stepping up more into that leadership role, can you just talk about, yeah, just elaborate on that point of having the ACC Offensive Player of the Year back and her impact for next year's team? Well, first of all, uh, we were delivered uh, Alessia Russo and Lata Wubin-Moy by a friend of mine that coaches in the Pro League for the uh, the NWSL in the United States. His name is Mark Parsons. He was the coach at uh, the Washington Spirit when uh, he picked Crystal Dunn as his first choice in that draft and loved coaching Crystal. So he and I became friends over coaching Crystal. And then he moved out to Portland and started coaching Tobin Heath and some other elite Tar Heel players and loved coaching them. So he developed a great respect for the Tar Heels, the way we compete. And so he and I developed a great friendship. Well, one of his good friends in England was talking about these two players that wanted to uh, leave the English professional system and jump to the U.S. colleges. And he called me immediately and I trust him uh, in, implicitly and I, I followed up on his lead and he uh, put us in a position to connect with Lata and Alessia. We brought them over and coincidentally the game they saw us play on campus was a game against Florida State which we won in exciting fashion and as a result these two English kids really enjoyed the atmosphere, really enjoyed the level, really enjoyed the girls and the team and they made a commitment to come to us and so uh, that door was thrown open for us by an English coach coaching in the American Pro League that had a great relationship with me because of his great relationship with the elite Tar Heels that he had coached. And this friendship cultivated between the two of us and that door flew open and uh, we didn't hesitate. And then that spun into something else. I mean, I'm not allowed to uh, uh, give too much detail, but now that door is wide open. So now we are in the running for any elite player from England that's interested in an American college. And uh, we're not gonna let that uh, uh, recruiting pipeline die. And a part of the reason is because these two kids, Alessia and Lata, are not just great soccer players, they are fantastic human beings. And the way you recruit effectively isn't just by having a quality team at a, 
at a good university in a you know beautiful part of the country. But you recruit effectively because a recruit comes onto campus, meets some of these kids that we have who are fantastic, falls in love not only with the uh, university itself and the beautiful campus that we certainly have, but develops a relationship with these extraordinary kids that we've got. And so that's where Alessia and uh, Alata are also going to impact for us from this leadership perspective because they want to be leaders. They do nothing but uh, sing their praises of their experiences here. And that bleeds into us uh, being uh, effective recruiters, uh, certainly in their home countries, but also attracts anyone that meets them. And these are leadership qualities. I mean, the sort of people you want uh, uh, selling your team are the ones that love it here, uh, that do nothing but uh, tell people how much they're enjoying it, which Alessia and Lata clearly do. And that impacts on these kids that visit because then they're thinking, oh my gosh, this wonderful person I just met at the University of North Carolina clearly loves it there. You know what? I think that's where I would like to go because I'd love to play with her, but also have that attitude towards the program, which these people clearly have. And so those leadership qualities are qualities that Alessia and Lata, but also, you know, Taylor Otto, who was a captain for me as an underclassman, exude when we recruit, but also when the team gets together and we look forward to practice every day. Uh, they're motivating the kids around them because they're fun to be with. They're non-judgmental in their relationships with their teammates. And as a result, a great chemistry is produced. Practice is fun. And if all those things uh, add up and are positive, uh, that's nothing but good for us and the University of North Carolina women's soccer team.